Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his essay, Bartleby or the Formula, in which he's discussing Herman Melville's famous short story, Bartleby the Scrivener, the formula being Bartleby's statement, I would prefer not to, Gilles Deleuze is going to take what might appear to be just a digression into talking about American pragmatism. And he's doing it in kind of a strange way in which he's bringing together literature and philosophy and he's not actually referencing the great, you know, we could call them the big three of American pragmatism, Peirce, James, Dewey, there's plenty of others as well. But, you know, we see this mostly as a, like a late 19th century, early 20th century emerging movement. Instead, he's going to talk about the transcendentalists. He's going to talk about literature. He's going to bring up more literary figures than philosophical figures. But there is a philosophical drive to this. He's saying that pragmatism is something distinctively American, but not quite in the way that it has been formulated or figured. And he's going to say something really quite astounding towards the end of this discussion where he's going to say the hero of pragmatism is not the successful businessman. And it's not even like death of a salesman businessman, right? The pseudo successful businessman. It's Bartleby. Bartleby the Scrivener and Daisy Miller, Pierre and Isabel, the brother and sister. So how can this be? Well, Deleuze makes something very particular out of pragmatism. And the place to begin is where he talks about the messianism of the 19th century having two heads. And he's going to mention these two heads at the beginning of this section and towards the end. He brings up this really interesting passage coming from Redburn. You cannot spill a drop of American blood without spilling the blood of the whole world. Be he Englishman, Frenchman, German, Dane, or Scott, the European who scoffs at an American calls his own brother Raka and stands in danger of the judgment. There's a reference, of course, to the Sermon on the Mount. We are not a narrow tribe of men with a bigoted Hebrew nationality whose blood has been debased in the attempt to ennoble it by maintaining an exclusive succession amongst ourselves. We are not a nation so much as a world, for unless we may claim all the world for our sire like Melchizedek, we are without father or mother. We are the heirs of all time, and with all nations we divide our inheritance. Now, this is a very Eurocentric point of view that ignores, as Alexis de Tocqueville pointed out, the horrible injustices done to two particulars. De Tocqueville called them races, black and red in democracy in America. So Deleuze could have gone in a somewhat different way with this, but instead he's focusing on what Melville is making of this. And Deleuze then says, the picture of the 19th century proletarian looks like this. The advent of the communist man or the society of comrades, the future Soviet being without property, family, or nation, has no determination than that of being man, homo tantum, human being as such. But this is also the picture of the American executed by other means and the traits of the former often intermingle with or are superimposed over those of the latter. 
America, now notice what Deleuze tells us about America in this sense. America sought to create a revolution whose strength would lie in a universal immigration. Emigres of the world, just as Bolshevik Russia would seek to make a revolution whose strength would lie in a universal proletarization. Proletarians of the world, the two forms of the class struggle. So he says the messianism of the 19th century has two heads and is expressed no less Notice the term he uses here in American pragmatism than in the ultimately Russian form of socialism. He's saying this is where the messianism of the 19th century ultimately takes form. And it's going to take a form that doesn't entirely succeed in the case of the Russians any more than of the Americans. But there's something new coming on the scene. He talks about these associations of people without fathers, you know, the loss or disruption of paternal authority, which could be associated with the European or with the British way of looking at things. He goes on and he tells us, Pragmatism is misunderstood when it is seen as a summary philosophical theory fabricated by Americans. And this is actually quite true. It's not a uniquely American thing. We know that pragmatism, for example, Maurice Blondel, great French writer of the 19th century and early 20th century, was perfectly willing to have his work called pragmatism until he found out what William James <laughs> meant by it. After letting William James, his Oxy 1893, pragmatism took root in other places other than just the United States. But that's not what Deleuze is talking about here. What he's saying is that the ways in which we typically represent pragmatism as a uniquely philosophical movement ignores what pragmatism is, which is something much broader and racinated within life itself, but also within other fields like literature. And he goes on and he says, we understand the novelty of American thought when we see pragmatism as a drive, an attempt, a project. So what is it? An attempt to change the world, to transform the world, to think a new world or a new man insofar as they create themselves. And he says, Western philosophy was the skull or the paternal spirit that realized itself in the world as totality and in a knowing subject as proprietor. Is it against Western philosophy that Melville, now no, it doesn't talk about James or Dewey or Peirce, Melville, that Melville directs his insult, metaphysical villain. And he says, a contemporary of American transcendentalism, Emerson Thoreau, Melville is already sketching out the traits of the pragmatism, that will be its continuation. So this is very interesting because what Deleuze is seeing here is that we don't have a American philosophy of, well, first there was, you know, the Puritans and then Jonathan Edwards and the American Renaissance with the other turn to political. And then we have the transcendentalists. And then we have, you know, these people. Then we have the pragmatists as a successive waves of theorization. The transcendentalists are already prefiguring the pragmatist motif, according to Deleuze. And I think he's actually quite correct there. There's, there are continuities that he's picking out. And these are continuities where dividing things up into philosophy over here and literature over here is rather fake and abstract and goes against what pragmatism itself has to contribute. He says Melville is sketching out pragmatism that will be the continuation of uh, transcendentalism. What is 
this affirming, a world in process, an archipelago, as he's going to say, not a puzzle whose pieces fitted together would constitute a whole. And that's the way that a lot of systematization in European philosophy was done. We just got to figure out how everything fits into it. You know, we're going to complete the system of German idealism, right? Well, that's not what pragmatism and that's not what these distinctively American ways of going about things try to do. And he says, rather a wall of loose, unsymmetrical stones where every element has a value in itself, but also in relation to others, isolated and floating relations, islands and straits, immobile points and sinuous lines for truth always has jagged edges, not a skull, but the vertebral column, a spinal cord, not a uniform piece of clothing, but a harlequin's coat, an infinite patchwork with multiple joinings. He says, this is the American invention par excellence, the patchwork. If you know much of Deleuze, you can recognize a good bit of what Deleuze is trying to do in his own philosophy and what he likes in this description of, you know, truth with jagged edges, a world in process, an archipelago of relations. And he's going to use this metaphor of the archipelago. And what is an archipelago? So it's a set of islands that are connected with each other, not just by, you know, being islands that ultimately go down to the same land, you know, underneath, but also by people sailing back and forth between these islands, maybe making bridges between them. So this is a, a different way of understanding the world. He says it was necessary also for, so that's the world. It's also necessary for the knowing subject, the sole proprietor, right? Again, think of German idealism or think of British empiricism or think of all of these. I'm going to start doing philosophy on my own and build an entire world out. And then people can read my books. This is more communal. This is more interactive. And he goes on and he says, the sole proprietor gives way to a community of explorers, the brothers of the archipelago, and they replace knowledge with belief, or rather, he says, with confidence. Confidence in this one and in human beings as much as in God. So he tells us that pragmatism, this is a very interesting thing to say, and I think, again, a very good way to capture what's going on in American pragmatism. Pragmatism is this double principle of archipelago and hope. What must the community of men consist in for truth to be possible? Truth and trust. And so then he tells us here that there's a perspectivalism that comes with the archipelago. What does that comprise? Fighting against particularities of a certain sort, not all particularity per se, but particularities that set human beings against each other. And again, we see an echo here of the other kind of messianism. You know, a lot of people, you know, they see communism and Soviets and they're like, oh, terrible. They killed all sorts of people. What that ignores was the hope that was actually there of something like a universal brotherhood and sisterhood or overcoming the particularities that separate us and put us at each other's throats for the benefit of those who are the elites, right? That was also what was going on in American pragmatism with a different way of, of doing it. So fighting particularities, but also fighting the universal or the whole, the fusion of souls in the name of great love or charity. And he says, well, what remains then if we take these things away? Originality. And not originality as genius or being unique or something like that, but being yourself. 
a sound that each produces. He says that it produces when it takes to the open road or the open sea with its body, when it leads its life without seeking salvation, when it embarks upon its incarnate voyage without any particular aim, and then encounters other voyagers who it recognizes by their sound. This is how Lawrence, who again, Deleuze takes up quite a lot, described the new messianism or the democratic contribution of American literature against what? against the European morality of salvation and charity or that of law coming down from the father figure who's going to take care of all of us, something more of a groundswell, something coming from us, something that we tinker out and figure out as we go along, which is, again, not uniquely American, but is prototypically American at a certain time when pragmatism was a central motif in American life, which I would say it's it currently is not and hasn't been for quite a long time. He goes on and he says that according to Melville or Lawrence, this brotherhood is a matter for original souls. Perhaps it begins only with the death of the father or God, but it does not derive from this death. It is a whole other matter. This requires this new perspective, an archipelago perspectivism that conjugates the panoramic shot and tracking shot. We have to learn how to see things in multiple ways. And then he says it also requires a new community whose members are capable of trust or confidence. That is of a belief in themselves, in the world, and in becoming. Here he talks about Bartleby as being a sort of representative figure. Uh, Bartleby lives cloistered in the office and never goes out, but when the attorney suggests new occupations to him, he's not joking when he responds, there's too much confinement. And if he's prevented from making his voyage, then the only place left for him is prison, where he dies of civil disobedience, as Thoreau says, the only place where a free man can stay with honor. Notice that what Deleuze is not saying here is that America is all pragmatism. Pragmatism is something that arises distinctively within America as a response to the other America, which is full of the people who want to do things, you know, the old fashioned way, the orderly way, the father way. And so we can talk about a failure that occurs here as well. So the dangers of a society without fathers have often been pointed out, but the only real danger is the return of the father. In this respect, it's difficult to separate the failure of the two revolutions, the American and the Soviet, the pragmatic and the dialectical. Universal emigration was no more successful than universal proletarization. And we could talk about all sorts of ways in which this happens, right? says that just as many Bolsheviks could hear the diabolical powers knocking at the door in 1917, what are the diabolical powers? The ones who are going to turn things back to systems of power, domination, order, the old ways. And, you know, what we see, unfortunately, in the communist countries is a betrayal of what they were originally aiming at. And we see this also in America. America is, in, in some respects, insufficiently pragmatic. He says, the pragmatists like Melville before them could see the masquerade that the Society of Brothers would lead to long before Lawrence, Melville, and Thoreau were diagnosing the American evil, the new cement that would rebuild the wall, paternal authority and filthy charity. Bartleby therefore lets himself die in prison. And what we have here is a very interesting, suggestive, I wouldn't say absolutely determinative, understanding of what 
American pragmatism was and could be and how it's connected with American literature as well and a life within America and within a world that includes other models as well. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.